Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, first bite edition, where we preview the Lions' upcoming game. My name is Jeremy Rice, and I'm the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. As always, I got my co-host here, Ryan Matthews, at Ryan underscore P-O-D on Twitter. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, Can we have another bye week? Just one more? (laughs) Just one more? You need another one? (laughs) Please, sir, may I have another? Uh, No, unfortunately, you can't. Uh, But hey... We're back to Lions football. We've got another opportunity to get off the schneid. And, uh, well, hopefully it comes this week. But uh, to give us uh, an idea of whether that might be possible or not, we have to hear from the other side. And this week it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we we poached a guy over from our our friends at Behind the Steel Curtain, Brian Davis, the uh, podcast producer over there and a writer. You can find him at BTSC Bad. That is Behind Behind the Steel Curtain Bad. Brian, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. I'm so glad to be here. And if you can, Ryan, if you can get yourself a time machine and you go back to 1990 when they introduced the buy for the first time, there were two weeks of buys back then. Ooh. So I yeah, don't know if you knew that. I did not know that, but they were doing it right then. Yeah. They we're doing it right then. And they've certainly been asking about doing it again since they moved to the 17 game schedule, but that uh, that didn't get worked out this year. Um, but let, let's get to, let's get to week 10. Both teams have the bye week in the rearview mirror. And I want to start with the Pittsburgh offense because it might be the, the more optimistic of the two matchups, I would say in this game. And I want to start with the passing offense because that also seems maybe like a, 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 a place where the lines might at least have a chance because passing offense hasn't been all that good, at least statistically. And maybe you, you can point me in the wrong, maybe I'm being pointed in the wrong direction, Brian, and, and you can correct me here, but I'm looking at 6.6 yards per attempt. That's 27. I'm looking at average depths of target 6.7, which is 31st kind of sounds like the lions offense in that it struggled to push the ball downfield. Is that, is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, they, this is not a very vertical passing game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it really doesn't have a lot to do with Ben as much. I mean, you, you see a lot of people outside of the steel city saying, you know, Ben's washed up. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you've got a lot of people inside, (laughs) inside the steel curtain saying, Oh yeah. I mean, Ben's done, but he's really not. He's uh, this is Ben 2.0 or maybe Ben 3.0 at this point. And he's doing the things that need to get done. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but the main problem, and this is the main problem with this offense right now is the, is the fact that you can't run the ball. And I know we're not talking about running the game, the running the ball, but for the fact that you can't run the ball, you can't 
Ben is getting stacked up on, and then you've got a line, which is the root of the problem. The offensive line right now is the biggest problem. Now, back in 2008, Ben had the very worst offensive line in the game. I think they were ranked 32nd, and they won the Super Bowl because number seven could do amazing things back then because right. he was a five-year player, and he was running around. You Defenders were bouncing off this guy, and then he was able to heave it deep. But if you watch the Chicago game on Monday Night Football, he executed that that uh, two-minute drive, which did it in about 90 seconds to get yeah. the field goal, executed it perfectly. And he was able to play his game. So his game is kind of coming back. They, they've taken a beating losing Juju Smith-Schuster. So there's a lot of things you can say about, you know, Juju and all the TikTok stuff from last year <laughs> that he doesn't take it seriously, but he really does. He's one of the hardest workers. You know, there's a lot you can say about the craziness of Antonio Brown when he was here, but no one worked harder than Antonio Brown on that field. And there's since Heinz Ward has been in Pittsburgh, a lot of people that have come into the organization, even after he was gone, he'd come in and help out. He would teach these guys how to block. And Juju became a fierce blocker. So that was a very big deal for this team as well. Juju's gone for the season. And now I don't know if you saw the injury report. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Chase Claypool, yeah. yeah. So the initial reaction and the initial fear was that because of that toe, he was gone for the year. He's not. He's week to week. You're not going to see number 11 this week. Hmm. So I... I know you guys probably <laughs> don't love the nickname, but Mapletron, there will be no Mapletron. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> but hey, no. I'll, allow it. I'll allow it, but it, it's respect, though, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so. Well, so what, we, we, we go I was going to say, we, we steered clear of Babytron uh, by all in all accounts when, when Kenny Galladay was here. So no more Trons. <laughs> <laughs> One and only, and he's in the hall. That's right. Um, so what what is the tell us about the, the game plan then if if Claypool's not there, who who steps in his place? Um, how confident are you in in the receiving core without him and Juju? Still very confident. And I'm not gonna say in the receiver uh, in the uh, receivers, but you throw in the fact the entire passing game with the tight ends. The tight mm-hmm. ends are make, going to make a big difference here. Um, I know you have TJ Hawkinson here in the equation now in the top 10 already is Pat Framer. Mm-hmm. He is really going to be the real deal. He has, if I'm not mistaken, five touchdowns. He had two the other night. The uh, Ben is getting a great rapport with Pat. Eric Ebron's a guy that probably makes you guys. <laughs> I, well, once you said tight ends, I'm like, I can't wait to see where this one's going. <laughs> um, he's, there was a lot of thought that Ebron was going to get traded. Mm. Um But that might have been a fan theory. That was actually a theory of mine, too, because you have Zach Gentry from Michigan, Mm -hmm. uh, converted quarterback. He's uh, he's the Mr. Fifth in the we we call Antonio Brown now Mr. Third and Fifth (laughs) because they got a third and fifth out of him. He's the fifth in that equation. Deontay Johnson is the third in that equation. I'll get to Deontay in a moment, but. Gentry has really stepped up. A lot of people saying that he was a waste. He was a project when they drafted him two years ago and everybody knew he was a project and he really came together in the Browns game, caught three balls, but his blocking game is superb. Freyermuth, his blocking game is good. Ebron. I don't think Ebron's as bad as a lot of people in the steel city think he is. He's been valuable for this team, but he's kind of the third guy now. 
And there's hope that he's going to play this week, but whether he does or doesn't, it doesn't matter because that game between Ben between seven and 88, that's big. So look out for that tight end. He's going to kill you. Yeah. And he killed, he killed us in the preseason. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Two touchdowns. He broke out in that game. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the big guy right now, the deep threat still remains Deontay Johnson. And there was a lot of fear the last six games of the season in 2020. He was dropping balls left and right. He was leading the league and dropped balls. I think he's dropped one this year, and he has been very consistent. And he's a deep threat. Ben's gotten him on – he got him on a deep ball to start the Green Bay game. They were up 7 nothing against Green Bay. And it was a 45-yard pass. And I think he had a 44 against Denver. So he's your vertical threat. The uh, announcers on Monday Night Football the other night on ESPN, by the way, they were dreadful, (laughs) I thought. But, you know, they were saying, oh, you lost your deep threat. No, Deontay Johnson is the deep threat there. And the guy that they brought in that he's going into his fourth year, um, a lot of people thought that he was unhappy. But it's a guy we call Grandpa Strong in Pittsburgh (laughs) because he is James Washington. And Ike Taylor, we had an interview with Ike Taylor and he started, he said, he's got that grandpa strength. I'm like really the grandpa strength. He goes like, yeah, he'll, he'll kill you. He's, he's huge. <laughs> and, and he's strong and he'll battle for, for balls. He's uh, a combat receiver. So grandpa strong is a guy that they're getting involved into the game more and more. And he's a guy that a lot of people don't know of. He was a second round pick out of Oklahoma state in 2018 but he's pretty, he's pretty good as well. So they're not – you lose Claypool, stinks, but you've got a lot of balls to go around. And the one guy that's getting balls more and more each week, which is he's, – he's tied for the lead. Going to last week, he was tied for the lead in reception is Najee Harris. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so let's talk a little bit about Najee Harris and let's talk about the line that's in front of him because I think that's how we can kind of bridge the gap here between the Steelers' passing game and their running game. I mean, they have four new starters on that offensive line, right? I mean, you know, you lose Marquis Pouncey to, to retirement on, you know, Alejandro Villanueva. He, you know, heads off to Baltimore. Is, is, the, is the problem with the Steelers' offensive game just what's up front and all that changeover? Well, here's the thing about that. Yes. Let me answer that with a yes. Okay. That's the big problem. So, so give it's us the long front. answer now. <laughs> yeah. So the long answer is this one. They didn't invite Alejandro Villanueva back, which he didn't. Nobody can say that this guy abandoned this team. He would have stuck around and he was probably your, your most consistent lineman last year. And that was a line that included two all pros in David DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey. Those guys were, those guys were at the end of their game. They really were. You bring those guys back. You, you, you're going to maybe have a little bit more success, but the problem is still there that they're going to be gone anyways. And you're going to have to fill some holes. What happened was they had a guy in Zach Banner who they thought was going to be the right tackle of the future. He, you know, tore his knee up week one against the New York giants and he's still not back. He's on the team. He's, he's clear to go. He's off of IR, waiting for him to come back. But the last three weeks, the line progressively got better. So they're not messing with that. The, the veteran 
the veteran that they're bringing back in this equation, it's Kevin Dotson, and he's a second-year guy, a fourth-round pick. A lot of people believe in, in Kevin Dotson, and he's going to do some really good things. As that line gets more cohesive, as they work together more and more, you're going to see them improving. But right now, it had that line had three very solid weeks of play, and they regressed last week. And that's mm-hmm. why you saw what happened against the <laughs> Chicago Bears. But you've got a left tackle that is a rookie fourth rounder that was possibly a prospect and, and a project, and his name's Dan Moore Jr. And so he's your left tackle. The guy originally supposed to be the left tackle was Chuk Sikorafor, and he's your veteran that's sticking around too, but it's his first. Um, but he's he's playing at right tackle because he's more of a left tackle, but he's subpar in both. And he's the guy with the most experience, but he's subpar in both. But they're not moving him right now. But if you have another bad week of this, they're probably going to bring back Banner and shake up some things. And it might mean Dan Moore, who got abused last week, didn't get too abused the week before against Miles Garrett. But last week, Robert Quinn had his number against Chicago. So, you know, there's some thought. But do you mess with a rookie that is finding himself and is a project? Lions fans know all about that right now <laughs> with Penny Sewell. That's uh, that's yeah. That's maybe the number one topic of discussion with this team, but go ahead, Jeremy. Well, I was just gonna say, it's interesting because, you know, obviously the, the bears defensive line can make a lot of offensive lines look foolish. And and they, they've certainly done that throughout the past few years. I'm, I'm curious. And, and maybe there's a question more for you, Ryan. Do you think the lions can maybe take advantage of these young kind of inexperienced struggling offensive tackles on the edges? Because, I mean, Trey Flowers was a guy who's been dealing with injury, not on the injury report this week. So, you know, maybe we see a little bit more of what he's truly made of. Julian O'Quar has been steadily improving. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think this is somewhere where the Lions can actually kind of get back into the swing of things on the defensive line? Because I feel like it's disappointed in the past few weeks. I think there's two things working in their favor. Um, I think for one, you have a Ben Roethlisberger who isn't the most mobile of quarterbacks these days. And when you couple that with a a young offensive line, I I think the thing that I'm most encouraged by is what I've seen from Aaron Glenn, you know, so far, you know, through the first eight games, it was a lot of really interesting pressures and different things they did up front with like, you know, inside stunts and, and, and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm encouraged, um, but man, I, I think the, the most consistent threat the Lions have had, you know, ever since Romeo Okora went down has been Charles Harris. True. Like he, he, he has been the veteran guy. So, so maybe you can count on a veteran player, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, like maybe even Trey Flowers, like you said, coming off of injury, maybe this is a, an opportunity for a bounce back game. If there ever was one, it seems like that might be the case. Is that, is that maybe, is that, is that fair, Brian? That's absolutely fair, and I will not dispute that because if you have a defensive line that is going to plug up running lanes for Najee Harris, then you're going to have an opportunity. So if they could pr- plug up those lanes, you're you're going to have some trouble. But Najee still had 60-some yards the other day yeah. behind a terrible offensive line. He is the kind of guy, and I, I don't want to get too far off the subject here, but he's the kind of guy that is taking – four yard losses and turning them into a one yard gain. Right. And that's because of 
mean, he's doing better as the running game has progressed, but they're using him more as a pa- uh, as a pass catcher out of the backfield, which is helping them. And you talked about Jeremy mentioned something very interesting at the beginning, the uh, the six point six yards um, per pass. And that was born out of the fact that Ben has no time. So it's basically a lot of their running game is the passing game. Yeah, we had this. We had this back in the Todd Haley days a few years ago, where it's just like you don't have a running game. Boom. Just I mean, two seconds last year at age 38, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels were showing how Ben ranked the fastest. He had the fastest release at 2.2 seconds. Right. And it's just because it was out of necessity or he was going to get clobbered. So is that, is that then why, you know, their pressure rates, their sack rates are all pretty low. It's not necessarily good pass blocking. It's more just getting rid of the ball quick. That's probably about 60% of it. You know, I mean, Ben, I mean, Ben can, Ben so knows how to get rid of the ball. They're showing some flashes of growth and brilliance, especially um, against Denver, Seattle and Cleveland. They did real well that nobody was complaining about, the offensive line. Right. And they were able to do more things in that game. And of course, Najee had a fantastic game too against, and Cleveland's a very tough team to run on. Absolutely. And so you saw that, but that's a lot of the reason why, I mean, Ben sack rate last year. I mean, he was sacked only nine or 10 times last season. Right. And he was still, I mean, that number was the same. I mean, and actually the, the passing situation was a little more dire. Are they, they're in a little bit better shape here. And, if you look at what James Conner is doing in Arizona, James Conner is a good running back. Yeah. Especially if you have him on your fantasy team, you're like, where have you been all my life? And, <laughs> but fans in, in Pittsburgh, they, uh, they thought it was a James Conner thing. And I'm like, how long I'm saying it's not right. The guy has no help whatsoever. Yeah. And now he's, now he's showing off and he's looking great. And then you have, but you have a prized rookie who, if it wasn't for Jamar Chase, you're probably talking about him right now as a runaway for offensive player of the year. Well, let, let's get a little bit into that because you mentioned if, if the Lions can plug up those rushing lanes, then maybe they can create some pressure in the passing game. Problem is, last last time this, this Lions defense took the field, they, they gave up, what, 270 yards at 5.1 a pop to the Eagles. Um, so I guess that uh, I don't rushing. Rushing? Yes, rushing. <laughs> oh, I, I like the sound of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the, the run defense has really been very hot and cold because they, they, they've, they've actually had a couple of, of, of decent games. You know, they held Lamar Jackson and, and the Ravens fairly in check. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll throw this back to you, Ryan, because I, do you have any idea what Lions defense is going to show up? I think they've been really disappointed in, in the play of their veterans and, and Brockers and um, Nick Williams. But, you know, some of those young guys are getting more playing time. Do you do you have faith that I mean, the, the Steelers running game, as, as, as Brian has mentioned, like it, what a 3.6, 3.7 yards per carry on the season. So they haven't been great, but the Lions are coming off a rough outing. Will, will they get it together after a bye week? Yeah, I think this is the mark of of coaching, right? I sure. think this is I think this is going to be one of the um, biggest opportunities for Lions fans to take notice of of where you can sense some faith and optimism in this coaching staff's ability to get their team back after a bye week, especially yeah. after being down so bad against the Eagles. Like you said, 40, 46 carries, Brian, at 5.1 yards per carry is what wow. the Philadelphia Eagles did to the Detroit Lions before their bye week. But they're really – they're had – I mean, the Lions had – like like Jeremy said, they had been hot and cold, but they had never cratered out like that. It was so completely obvious that the Eagles were like, we're just going to run the ball down the field. They found the, something. 
Yeah, they, they, they noticed something because, I mean, Jalen Hurts had just over double-digit passing attempts. It, it wasn't anything where the Eagles were even remotely interested in throwing the ball. So, I, I Jeremy, the only thing I'll say is that I, I think that it's going to be a mark of whether or not – because the one aspect of this defense that you didn't really mention is it's the linebackers, right? Sure. I, I think the linebackers had – They've been running hot and cold too, yeah. Right. They had one of their worst games, I think, against Philadelphia in terms of their ability to to wrap up and make tackles and and kind of need that this week. Out. Yeah. And they were kind of getting washed out. So, I mean, it, it, it's about physicality. Right. Yep. Um, and, you know, hopefully after a bye week, you're feeling your body's feeling at least a little bit better and you're, you're ready to get physical again. So we'll see. It's it's interesting. I think I think it was Mark DeLeon, the, the Lions linebacker coach today said, um, you know, about ta- tackling a guy like Najee Harris, like. It's not just about like good technique and and you know good form and 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 avoiding sti- his stiff arm and thing like that. It's about group tackling with that guy because one on one, you don't stand much of a chance against a guy like that. If I could mention about Najee, he I told you he had a rough game at sixty two yards, and which is you know a lot of running backs are going to take that. You know yeah. that, that's a, that's a good game for a lot of running backs, but the team still had over a hundred yards rushing. Mm-hmm. And so get used to jet sweep because Matt Canada um, loves to, they're thrown in the reverses, which we haven't seen in years. Mm-hmm. They're doing that jet sweep. So about 40 yards rushing came from, well, Chase Claypool's not going to be there, but Deontay Johnson could run the ball. Ray Ray McLeod is, is blazing fast. And you, you even have, I mean, James Washington would do stuff like that. So you have the opportunities. They're, go, they're going to try trickery with the running game too. So then they, they did that. Now Najee controlled, uh, controlled the running game against the Browns, but they still had some major, uh, major carries from their wide receivers as well. So you're going to see some stuff like that. And heck, we even saw a couple weeks back, a guy we have already mentioned, Ebron had a big first down on a rush in between the tackles. It was a design play. Yeah. So they're, they're not afraid to mix it up. So if the lions are an intelligent reactive defense too, they should be okay, but they can, uh, they're going to try to fool this team. All right. That's a good wrap up of the Steelers offense. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Steelers defense and see if it's as good as it always was. And if there's any possible chance that Jared Goff and the Lions offense gets things finally into gear. So stick around on first bite. We will be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 
360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the POD cast, first bite edition. We're here with Brian Davis from the Behind the Seal Curtain podcast and website. Um, let's talk about the Steelers defense because it's always really good. And I wouldn't say it's as good as it normally is, but it's still, they still got some really dangerous pieces. And I mean, let's start with, I, I, I let's start with the marquee matchup here because the, the edge rushers are really what I think defines what the Steelers defense is. And you got to start with TJ Watt, who um, mostly plays on the defense's left, the offensive right, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Brian? Yes. So so he'll be going up against your right tackle. Yes. And Ryan, we're not entirely sure who that is yet, but it seems like things are trending towards Taylor Decker potentially playing. He was a full participant in Wednesday's practice, but I think Thursday's practice is really going to tell us more to see how he responds to that. But um, the, I guess the interesting thing about it is we're all talking about how Panay Sewell is, is going to be amazing and he's our best tackles. Keep him at left tackle. Keep left. Keep him at left tackle. But if he's at right tackle in this game, which is what where he'll be if, if Decker plays, he's actually going against the, the best player on, on the Steelers team, probably, um, which kind of goes to show you left tackle, right tackle, you know, are, are just as important. But um, yeah, let, I, I guess my question to you, Brian, is. Is there anything that can stop TJ Watt? Has, has anything, anyone found out what you can do to, to hold him in check? Oh, yeah. And it's happened all year. It's called holding. And <laughs> that, that's my gosh. It, it ha- it's happened quite a bit. Actually, I think the Broncos just like sat on them. They some guys <laughs> just sit on them and say, all right, line up. But you know, TJ's at another level. A lot of people worry about when you get that new contract. Mm-hmm. that then you're like, right, we're going to put it in second gear and we're going to relax a little bit. TJ didn't. And to give you an idea about, and we have a name for him in Pittsburgh, because when you get to a different level in Pittsburgh, and this is something that we started at buying the still curtain, you get your middle name. So he's now mm-hmm. Trent Jordan Watt. You will hear a lot about Trent Jordan. Uh, <laughs> so Trent Jordan Watt is, he is already at 60 sacks for his Pittsburgh Steeler career and his NFL career. And that's four years. He's in his fourth year. And the thing that makes that so amazing, the record in Pittsburgh is 80.5 and that's James Harrison. <laughs> and James Harrison played for 80 years in Pittsburgh um, <laughs> or, or so it seems. <laughs> and, and that guy could be 80 years old, mean and still playing. And, and he would still wreck somebody. That's, that's yeah. how crazy it was with James Harrison. TJ Watts, a different guy. He gets on that field. He gets to a different level and he's just, and you'll see him take some plays off on the sideline, getting, uh, getting some air and coming back in and he just dominates. And he has, he has 11 and a half sacks this year and he missed a game and a half. <laughs> so he's, and the, the Steeler, Steeler record for a season was when James Harrison had 16 in 2008, the Super Bowl year, and his NFL Defensive Player of the Year award. Uh, so he's really close to at 11 and a half. He's close to that 16. 
So now he did feast on the bears the other day. He had three against the bears. Miles Garrett had four and a half against the bears. And those are your two leaders at 12 and 11 and a half respectively. So playing the bears helps, but <laughs> to give you an idea though, where there's concern is because that defense changes when TJ Watts out. Right. Just, just like the, the offense changes when you lose Najee Harris now, because the guys next to him, they should have had six or seven sacks the other day. The offensive line of the Bears held up fairly well against them, and there it wasn't a situation where I thought they there was any egregious holds that I was complaining about in other games. I don't think that uh, the Steelers got ripped off in, in penalties um, as far as that goes because you could talk about all these missed holds. No, nah, th- there weren't any of them. The, the Bears' offensive line played a fairly clean game. So – with that being said, Alex Highsmith's the guy on the other side. So if he's going up against Penai, you know, he is a bull rusher. He is tough. He'll shake you off, but he's always just maybe a hair off. And he's just, doesn't have a lot of sacks. He'll hit you, but he is he's just not getting to the quarterback quick enough. But he disrupts a lot, and he's doing some great things for a second-year player out of North Carolina, Charlotte, that not a lot of people heard of. Right. Yeah. And there were a lot of owls out when he was, uh, there were a lot of who, 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 when he was drafted, <laughs> no, nobody understood, but the guy had 14 sacks in college. When he played Clemson, they were like, this guy is the toughest. Clemson was the number one team at the time. This, um, they're saying this guy's one of the toughest out there that we faced. And he's from UNCC. So he's, uh, he could wreck you. He can have a game where he can have two or three sacks. He's very good. And he's got an all around game too. He'll, he could drop in a coverage, but as far as the defense goes, TJ runs that defense. Um, now it sounds like I'm slighting a guy and I'm not, you need to have both of these guys where TJ is the heart of the defense. It could be argued that Cam Hayward is the heart and soul of the defense. And he's going to do the stuff that is not going to get on the stat sheet as much, but he's wrecking it and making it possible for TJ to do a lot of things too. Cam Hayward is, is probably he's a throwback that could have played for the Steelers teams in the seventies. This guy is, is just fantastic. So um, I would be remiss if I said that TJ is the only guy there. And I kind of did that earlier and I apologize, but <laughs> um the, the problem right now with Cam, Cam is dealing with the fact that he lost his nose tackle and he lost his bookend. So you've got two guys that comprise a fantastic defensive line in Tyson Alulu and then Stefan Tuitt. Those two guys are not there. Now, Tyson's gone for the year. You're going to hopefully see he, he's been an enigma, Stefan Tuitt. Don't know what's going on. Uh, he's been practicing. Don't know when he's going to be activated. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that you know he's struggling with um, with some very significant deaths in his world with his brother mm-hmm. um, dying this year and Lewis Nix, his teammate at Notre Dame. Uh, look, I don't I don't subscribe to uh, um, any any rumors about that, and that's what's being bandied about. But, you know, you have uh, and and that's the narrative right now, but he's just he's just not available to play. 
but I've seen the man play. I've met the man and he's a warrior. So he gets back. That completely changes that defense. He's not going to be back this week, but that's one of the problems. Yeah. I, I want to ask you a, a quick question, Brian, um, because, you know, looking through the Steelers defense, I was taking a look at, you know, their pass rush. I mean, for, I mean, by a lot of metrics, I, and it's obviously propped up by that guy. Uh, was it Trent Jordan Watt? Is that his name? <laughs> you heard of him, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard of this guy now. So, you know, I know obviously a lot of those numbers are, are propped up and inflated by a guy who can, you know, really pressure the quarterback like that. You also mentioned Cam Hayward, but their third, leading pressure uh, generator on their defense was Melvin Ingram. And he got traded to Kansas city. What, what was the deal with that? Back in 2017, right the day before Christmas or right around Christmas, they got rid of, they, he asked for his release and he got it. And it was James Harrison who we talked about before. And he's a legend in Pittsburgh and he was becoming a problem because he was not getting the playing time that he was promised back in 2014. You, they released a guy named LeGarrette Blunt, who I, I know you've heard of, yep. and he ended up winning a, uh, winning a Super Bowl that year. He ended up winning a Super Bowl that year with Detroit. And excuse me, not with Detroit. I, I know that didn't happen. Um, with, 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 with New England, I had a fever dream here for a second. And, and the I was just like nodding, like yeah, yeah. So I remember that. So what happened was he was upset with his playing time as well, and the playing time that he did not get was because you know you had Le'Veon Bell going off having an, an amazing season, so he was causing trouble in the locker room. Melvin Ingram comes out and says, I'm not happy. This is not what I signed on for. When you know they, you know, they told him that, you know, you're going to be there behind TJ Watt, possibly the defensive player of the year, and a phenom in Alex Highsmith. And at the time, he's taken the job. He needs the job. The Steelers need a pass rusher. It's almost August. So, yeah, you're desperate. And then he's saying, well, I'm not happy. Mike Tomlin's been around for that. He's like, it didn't work out, so we let him go his way. They were able to get a sixth-round pick out of him. You take it because of the problems that they've seen come afterward. They also, the other reason that they were free to make that deal is because of number 98, and I'm wearing a 98, and I'm going to say it's my Taco Charlton jersey, but if you look at the back, it's not. But Taco Charlton showed up against the Browns. He was on the practice squad for a month and looking, looking pretty good. And to give you a little bit more insight, Melvin Ingram did not play against the Browns because his groin was bad off, but he's fine to practice and go full, full bore two days later with Kansas city. So, you know, all I'm saying is that he wanted out. You give him that release because there could be a mess at another time. Uh, All right. I want to transition to the, the secondary there because you know, it's kind of the other half of the equation in their, in their past defense, and obviously the Lions are are looking to to give Jared Goff some time. They've been talking about going deep, maybe finally this this week or, or going forward. Um, what what are your overall thoughts on on the Steelers secondary? You know, I'm looking at their PFF grades, and they're pretty below average. But um, with obviously when it works in tandem with a, a good pass rush, maybe they look a little bit better than they are. Um, do you think that's a vulnerability on this on the Steelers defense right now? It's absolutely a vulnerability. Um, Goff, it behooves Goff to go deep. Mm -hmm. And 
and try to get them. What happened was Arthur Millette, who has uh, he's filled in nicely for the departed Mike Hilton, but you know, he can't go one-on-one on these guys. This is a safety going one-on-one on these guys. And the bears were burning the heck out of them. And that was happening in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But you do have, I don't, you know, I believe in PFF and I don't believe in PFF because <laughs> you look at some stuff like the grades they're giving to Minka Fitzpatrick, Minka Fitzpatrick's an all pro this year again. Right. And you might not be I mean, he doesn't have the interceptions, but Minka is the quarterback of that defense in the secondary, yep. and he's doing everything that you need. Joe Hayden has found the, the fountain of youth, too, and he's playing very, very good football. You've just Cam Sutton's your wild card there. Cam Sutton on the corner can do you very well, or, he, or he's going to struggle a little bit, and then you have other guys that just aren't making the grade. Yeah, and it should be an interesting matchup this week because the Lions have, have promised to, to shake things up at wide receiver. One of those things is, is moving Amon Ra uh, a little bit to the outside, which we haven't really seen from. And then there's also Josh Reynolds, which we're not going to get too much into in this podcast because, one, we don't even know if the guy's going to play. He's just claimed on, on Wednesday. Probably won't be in the building until late Tuesday or late Thursday, I should say. So I, I don't know if he plays in this game. Um, but the last thing I want to ask before we get to the prediction segment is just, you know, the Lions obviously before, um, in the per- previous eight games, they seem to rely a lot on their tight end, a lot on their running back in terms of, uh, the passing game. How have the Steelers held up against, you know, defending tight ends and, and running backs in the passing game? You know, in the past, they have a lot of struggles recently. They are playing the tight end so much better now against the bears the, you know, the, the bears had some great success with Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham yep. and not Jesse James, which I, which he was playing better. It's late of both of our teams sure. here. In, in fact, he has had a great rapport with Justin Fields and I thought yep. he was going to be a factor, but the thing with Komet, and Jimmy Graham, they were going wide in this game. Mm. So they they weren't going over the middle. That was the Travis Kelsey's and the Rob Gronkowski's. They, they've killed the Steelers for years going, going over the middle. Now with Devin Bush there, with, you know, you have a guy in uh, Terrell Edmonds that is, uh, you know, a hybrid safety linebacker, even though he's a safety, he's, he's moving up in the box a lot. They've... Uh, they haven't been able to make their hay as much. And I'm saying tight ends like they have in the past, but what you have in Detroit is really special in Hawkinson. So I, I, uh, I could see him having a decent game. I would not say that he's going to go off over the middle, but I mean, if they, uh, if they do some, some things to fool the Steelers, like uh, I don't know if they split him out wide at all, but if they do that, yeah, they, they can take advantage. But Goff has an opportunity against this defense to make some plays. And they can catch them off guard with a long play. And that's where the Steelers are vulnerable. Interesting. We'll see if, uh, if they're actually able to do that. Let's move on to our uh, prediction segment, the thing that we call the one thing we think we know, where we make a prediction about any aspect of the game. Ryan, as always, you're going to lead off the crew here. I don't remember how we did this a couple weeks ago. I don't wish to remember anything about that Eagles game. So I will just say, what is the one thing you think you know about Lions Steelers? 
you're going to wish that uh, you're going to wish that you could forget what I'm about to say. Because I think the one thing I think when it, the one thing I think I know, and it has something to do with, we didn't really touch on, but the Steelers have like one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Yeah. I think that the lions are going to average because it looks like Jamal Williams probably isn't going to play right. Jeremy, like we'll see, practice yeah. on yeah. Wednesday, but not trending in the right direction. Right. Certainly. The Lions are going to average less than three yards per carry. Oof. And we've seen what this Lions offense looks like without a running game, and it ain't pretty. Um, so if that's the case, Lions could be in some big trouble. Uh, Brian, we'll, we'll go to you next. What's the one thing you think you know about Lions versus Steelers? I know that this is not going to be a blowout. <laughs> and I, I will tell you that right now. Um, there's a lot of nerves on the fans at BTSC, especially for this game. They're throwing out the word trap game. Mm-hmm. They're throwing out all of this. And the Steelers do not play well. The Steelers play better if you have a winning record. <laughs> and I don't want to say that they look past competition because Mike Petaway Tomlin will never let you get away with that because they're like, no, we're, we're taking everybody seriously. But the thing about it, you saw what happened against the Bears. You you saw what happened against other teams this season, too. When the, when the Steelers are favored by more than six, give away those points. Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't won a single game by more than one possession so far this year. But they to be fair, like they've also played a lot of really good teams. That's true. It's just it's just a thing that they this offense that the Steelers have is meant to keep teams in games. Right. And I I don't want to say, but that's just a byproduct of it. It's not meant to do it, but it's not set up yet to the point where they can blow teams out, but they need to, uh, they're trying to establish the running game with this team. And that's, they're trying to be a run team. That's a little hard to do, but they're not going to, uh, this is not the greatest show on turf. Right. And it's never, it's not going to be this year or probably for a long time. I'm going to do something I, I, I haven't done on this show much. And I think I, I, I may have taken this last week too, or last show. I'm going to bet the over under, which is one of my least favorite bets in, in football, but I just looked and the over under for this game is 42 and a half. I think this game could go under 30. Honestly, I think the Steelers are going to try to run the ball, which is going to stretch out the clock. The lines are probably going to try to run the ball and they might not be very, I mean, the Steelers have not scored above 30. The Lions have only scored above 20 once. This is this is going to be a very low-scoring game. And I think uh, – I, I honestly think it could get, be under 30. I really do. And and that kind of speaks to Brian's point that if it's under 30, it's probably going to be a close game too, right? Yeah, it, it should be. Now, technically – I, I got to throw in the technically. Sure. Te- technically, the Steelers scored 30 the other day. It, they scored exactly 30. But no, they – Oh, did they – No, they was scored it? 29, but they missed an extra point. Oh, okay, so they didn't so, score 30. <laughs> yeah, so you've got a guy in Boswell that had a 54-yarder, a 52-yarder, and a 40-yarder and missed an extra point. <laughs> but he was just – he's also coming off a concussion mm. from, from last week, which I'm surprised he even played. But, yeah, they – you know, getting to 29 was a big deal for this team, which with this kind of offense, you would think that they could consistently be above 30, and they will someday, but it's not going to be in 2021. Well, there you go. All right. Uh, We're going to close up shop here. 
Um, before we do, though, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to promote their stuff, maybe stuff that Lions would be interested in. So, Brian, um, what, where can Lions find you and maybe some content that, that they'd be interested in this week? Well, behind the steel curtain dot com is our is our uh, one stop shop and our nonstop shop now <laughs> for Steeler content. And so we were all writing first and then we were doing one podcast a week. And then we had a summit meeting last year on August 1st, and it was the big summit meeting. And we had one person quit saying, you know, we're doing too many podcasts. And so we said, you know what? No, we're not. In fact, let's triple it. (laughs) And then what happened where we were doing about six or seven a week at that time, we are now doing 25 plus original shows every single week. Oh my gosh. And that, that is, uh, that's something that, uh, yeah, it definitely keeps me busy and it's my part-time job. It's not my full-time job, but it's, uh, it keeps us busy, but we have so much different content and we have some really interesting content. If you want to hear about the Steelers from an Australian ex- uh, uh, perspective, we have touchdown under <laughs> on Saturdays. We have two, two blokes from Australia that love the Steelers that, uh, they were fans and, they sent a they sent a demo. We had some meetings. I, I gave them some tips, and they put together a really good show. We have two comedians from uh, from Los Angeles now. That they're two stand up comedians, and they uh, they do a show called Touchdown. Excuse me, um, it's called What What Yin's Talking About, <laughs> and What Yin's Talking About um, that drops every every Friday, and this is where they take on Steelers social media. And this is the closest thing to a, uh, a professional studio show that you're going to hear. And it's I mean, with the sound effects, with the sound bites, they, <laughs> they put a lot into it. Whether you're a Steeler fan or not, check it out. It's really interesting stuff. You know, they do a great job. But then the one, the one show that I've got to mention is our senior editor, Jeff Hartman. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, he does a studio show called Let's Ride. And it's it's really become our flagship studio show. So we have our YouTube shows in the evening that we do rerun on, on, uh, on the uh, podcast platform. We have a studio show every single day. If it's a fantasy podcast you want, we've got it. If you want a, uh, a film breakdown on audio, we thought, okay, this isn't going to work. Jeffrey Benedict's made it work. So we've come up with so many different things. We now have a show uh, with three guys, three Steeler fans from Ohio. We call them the Ohioans, and they do a show called the, the Steeler Power Half Hour. And in season, it has become a show about – it's basically about five reasons to hate the other team and their city. And it's it's a tongue-in-cheek. It's a funny, right, it's a funny thing. They, they try to make it funny, and it's no offense intended, but something like, eh, we're going to get beat up. But you know what? It, it start, it's working, and people are – enjoying the spirit of the thing. So we have a lot of different things up here. We have injury reports every day. Uh, we're just, we just are thrown out the content, but we want to make sure it's quality content. And we're, uh, we're really enthused on how it's going. So when we had that summit meeting, when things weren't going great, when we were averaging 70,000 downloads a month, um, gosh, we're over 500. Wow. And, and, That's uh, incredible. and it's starting to happen. So yeah. we love it. We love talking about the Steelers. We're a fan we're fans first. Sure. We don't try to be media and we have fun with it too. We just are lucky to have that platform. 
And I'd imagine Lions fans might be interested in that hating city. I mean, you guys play the NFC North this, this year, so you, you've played all of our rivals, or you will play all of our rivals, so maybe go back and listen to the Bears and, and the, the Green Bay episode if you can't stomach a little trash talk about Detroit. But, Brian, really appreciate your time, man. Appreciate the, the great insight there. Um, good luck to you on Sunday, but not too much luck because we could really probably use the win a lot more than you could. Uh, you might argue that point, but I will not, I will not let you. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'm going to the game. Oh, so it, it'll be a three hour drive home. Sad if they lose, but if I'm going to lose to a team, I don't mind the, the lions are a team that I've never minded. I've never had a problem. We get that a lot. And that's because we're harmless and we get it. Anyways, thank you again for listening, everybody. Um, As as a reminder, you can donate to our Movember campaign, which runs through all of November. Uh, Go to prideofdetroit.com. Just click on uh, Ryan Santoso's big mustache and there'll be links to to donate. Remember, you can win a bunch of Lions prizes. You can make me do some embarrassing stuff. But until next time, thanks for joining us, everybody. It's chaos. Be kind. (laughs) 